For those of you at home, this is going to kind of look okay, sort of normal. But for the rest of you, it's going to be a little bit different again today. Um, We are truly blessed um, because of the use of technology. We are truly blessed to be able to have a a pastor come and join us today in a way that, that normally doesn't happen as often as we've been able to do it over the last year. We are truly blessed in the um, Tennessee Annual Conference. And I say we because I actually do have the privilege of being an affiliate member or associate member of of this annual conference as well as my own annual conference. We are truly blessed to have a bishop who who is caring for community but also caring for pastors. And knowing that some of the pastors were have been in the trenches doing a lot of stuff over the last period of time and getting ready for a big season in the church, Lent, and then ultimately Easter. The bishop um, decided that he would offer pastors an opportunity to use a video of him preaching um, this Sunday. So he is following our lectionary readings today. He's going to be preaching from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through 31. His sermon is called, Run and Not Be Weary. Bishop McAlilly is the Episcopal leader of this annual conference, and he is an amazing man of God. So take a little while and and enjoy, but hear God, Bishop McAlilly, today. Here a reading from the prophet Isaiah, the 40th chapter, beginning in the 28th verse. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. He, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and grow weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me and for me now? O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter in every storm of life and our eternal home. We pause and give you thanks for the gifts of this day. We ask, O God, that you would watch over us, that you would strengthen us in the weak places, and that you would lead us onward in the face of this new year. Show us what we need to know and give us ears to hear. For this is our prayer. In the very strong name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of incredulity. It was the epoch of belief. It was the age of foolishness. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. No doubt you recognize these words from Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities. This is the best of times because we have learned how to navigate the unusual spaces of COVID-19. It seems like it's the worst of times because this global pandemic has disrupted and disoriented us. And frankly, it and the events of our day have pushed us to our limits of coping 
For those of us who consider ourselves to be baby boomers and younger, we have not known this kind of unevenness in our lifetime. And for many, it has been exhausting. I listen to my children who have two five-year-olds. My son and my daughter both have five-year-olds attempting to do kindergarten. Are exhausted. I listen to healthcare workers who have made enormous adjustments and have been essential workers on the front lines. They too are weary. I listen to my friends in higher education who have had to navigate the college environment and they are worn out. I listen to our pastors and I give thanks to God that you have allowed them this day to take some space. And allow me to come to your sanctuaries with this sermon. Because, believe me, our pastors too are worn out. I listen to children whose parents or grandparents are in nursing care facilities and worry and the worry and frustration they have to be distanced from their loved ones. In our own family, we had to do the window visit during the holidays with Lynn's mother. He was in rehab. I listen to our black and brown brothers and sisters who are experiencing a dual pandemic of COVID-19 and systemic racism, and they are afraid. And they are tired. They are weary. We pray, how long, O Lord, must we be strangers in a strange land? How long will it be before we can return to some sense of normalcy? We hope, we hope against hope that the vaccine is going to do the trick but it's going to take a while. I long to just go and simply sit on the ocean side and listen to the waves crash and experience God's good, good creation. We're living in a disrupted time. Some call it a liminal space. The Celtics called it a thin place, a place between what was and what is to come. And those of you who are parents remember your life before children. Well, I know that's a stretch for some of us, but I remember watching, especially my son and daughter-in-law, as they prepared for the adoption of their first child. The anxiety, the fear, the anticipation. They did not know what they did not know. And then in the middle of the day in August, nine years ago, the call came, come to Utah, the baby is on the way. The weariness of the transition when it looked at when it looked like at one point the adoption was going to fall through, the weariness of coming home with the newborn on an airplane, the weariness of becoming parents without the normal anticipation of pregnancy, the weariness of Millie, my daughter in law, when her company would not grant her the normal maternity leave for an adoption. Parenting, even in the best of circumstances, is exhausting. I told them to just wait. One day this child will be 16 and you will have a different, an entirely different kind of weariness. Well, those of us of sufficient years know that life is not always the beach and a bag of chips. And when life comes crashing in on us, when illness or death or defeat comes without warning, you begin to feel as if you're walking in the wilderness. And sometimes the wilderness can look like the very place in which you live. Or maybe it feels like exile, which is a place from which the prophet speaks this word from Isaiah. You know this to be true. Exile is no stranger to this season of our world. In 
2020-2021, we very much feel as though we have been in exile. In our text today, Isaiah is responding to his friends and loved ones out of the challenge of the years in the Babylonian exile. It's as if the Israelites were crying out, How long, O Lord, how long will we be strangers in a strange land? It echoes Psalm 137 by the rivers of Babylon. We sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung up our harps because our captors demanded of us songs. For more than 40 years the congregation had waited for their plight to change. The prophet is trying to strengthen the congregation to remind them who and whose they were. And it's in this strange place. If you stay in this strange place too long and you start talking and looking different and you start worshiping foreign gods. Some of you know a few years ago I was in the Holy Land and I I tripped and I fell in one of the Herod's one of Herod's palaces in Palestine and broke two ribs. I could not catch my breath for what seemed like an eternity. I thought I was dying. I, I, I thought I was just at the end of my rope. Maybe you haven't fallen like that, but I suspect that those of us of sufficient years have had an experience or two where life has knocked the wind out of us and thrust us into a kind of exile where we feel as if we are strangers in a strange land. Maybe that's where you are today. It's when the patient learns that cancer has metastasized the doctor says we've done all we can do. It's when every available resource has been exhausted, every marker called in, and the moment one realizes that bankruptcy is unavoidable, sooner or later we all end up east of Eden, as John Steinbeck's book was titled, And when you're in exile, it's important to remember the way the biblical narrative helps us remember is by telling the story. Isaiah is clever to echo and rehearse the narrative of what God has done. So here in verse 21 we hear, Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? If you translate the Hebrew text, it actually reads, Have you not understood the foundations of the earth? So this rhetorical question is actually the climax in a short series of staccato lines. Surely you know. Surely you have heard. Surely it has been told you. Surely you understand the foundations of the earth. And if you understand the foundations of the earth, how can you believe the possibility of any other God at work in our world? This God, this God alone stands above the world, creating a place for those who are like grasshoppers to live. And in spite of what may all feel like the absence of the presence of God, God is intimately involved in our lives. This last section, verses 27 through 31, is perhaps the most well-known portion of Scripture, arguably the most prone to misinterpretation. Occasionally, the language of verse 30 exhausted is isolated and used pastorally for those who are in difficult circumstances. And while there is little doubt that God is very much concerned about those who are weary and exhausted, the verses have a more pointed focus. Verse 27 aids in our interpretation. And here the poet quotes lamenting, asking 
Why do you say my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Why do you say that? The message translation says it this way. God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. The weary are exhausted and those who have felt abandoned by their God and their circumstances do little to deny such a thought. Well, the poet doesn't deny such weariness, but instead suggests that such weariness does not deny God. The God of Israel is the everlasting God and the creator of the ends of the earth. This God, this God is the only one who created, but he not only created, but he creates. The promise of an end to exile and renewed strength seems impossible to the believer because their current plight is so impossible to deny. And what seems irreconcilable is in fact not because of the identity of the one in whom they confess. While his understanding is unsearchable, his identity undeniable, he is the creator who recreates shaping and reshaping the world and all who live in it. God creates the tension. God separates light from dark, heaven from earth, perfection from sin, paradise from humanity, In a way, God sets up this dynamic interaction, establishing relationship, instituting an ongoing tension, and further instigates it with God's ongoing, creative, redemptive work. Now, here's what I'm trying to say today. Our story suggests we wait and we watch so we can begin to see what God is doing next. This is what the prophet Isaiah was trying to convey to the Hebrew people in exile. Remember, God's not gone or dead or leaving us alone. So align yourself with God, attune yourself to what God is doing, and rediscover the emerging opportunities. As I like to say, God's got you, has always had you, and will always have you. God's understanding is unsearchable. God keeps looking for us even when we feel abandoned, reshaping. God continually making us into something better, a new people. His identity undeniable. He is creator and sustainer, redeemer and friend. And already God is recreating, shaping and reshaping our world. Now or sometime in the future, know this. The good news of the gospel which Isaiah is foretelling, is that Jesus offers us a different way of knowing. I've been helped in recent days by the writing of Franciscan priest Richard Rohr. Rohr writes, Jesus offers an intimate relationship, sometimes a dark night of the soul, a path where we must discover for ourselves that grace, love, and mercy, and forgiveness are absolutely necessary for survival in this uncertain world of ours and friends have we not had some uncertainty in recent days know this you only need enough clarity and ground to take your next faithful step Paul was right we really are saved by faith not by certainty and if you will commit your life to this journey to live in this way you will never stop growing you will not easily be defeated and frankly life is a whole lot more fun Now here's the truth. You can tell mature, authentic faith by people's ability to deal with darkness and failure and brokenness 
and by their quiet but confident joy. One of the early church mothers, Mother Selectia, died in 400 A.D., wrote this, We sail on in darkness, confident in Isaiah's reminder that our way is never hidden from a God who is infinite in His understanding and unconditional in His love. I like to believe that I'm a lifelong learner. Let me tell you what I've been learning lately. I've been learning not to give up and to keep trusting in God's grace. That the more you mature, the wiser you become regarding your own fault lines. We are, concluded Cassia, not angels but only human beings. And yet God is still creating. In our family, since I came among you nine years ago now, our tribe has increased from one to five grandchildren. And I've got pictures if you're interested. As I said earlier, our grandson Thomas is adopted, and when he was one, I was elected bishop, so he's grown up with me in this work. When he was a toddler and learning to talk, he learned to say Papa before he learned to say Grand. Of course, I love that. Sometimes he would call Grand Papa. And sometimes when he said it, it was a cry for help. Sometimes it was a praise. At other times, it was a joy. What new life teaches us is that God is still creating and it teaches first-time parents faith. It's this virtual learning world and much faith. Not only is God still creating, God is still calling. God is calling, creating, and God is still renewing. Not long ago, I sat with a friend of mine who's been successful in the business world and in the world of politics, if you can believe that. He said to me, I've been evaluating my life. I'm I'm ready to make some changes. I think we're going to downsize our house so we won't be so chained to a mortgage. I think God's been renewing my faith these last years. It started when I decided somebody needed to teach Bible to our Sunday school class. And, well, you know what happens when you volunteer or make some suggestion. You get to do the teaching. And so there I was having to prepare every week to teach. And it forced me to take the Bible very seriously. And it, frankly, has changed my life. And then he said this. If you need anybody to fill a pulpit anywhere, I'm willing. Now, don't get me wrong. I I don't feel called to preach, but I do feel called to share with other lay folk that I've been changed, I've been renewed, I've been redeemed. Friends, God is still redeeming. We see this every time a person broken by sin and failure turns away from destructive habits and allows the Holy Spirit to renew and they start again. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the Creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Many years ago when I was a pastor, a church called Philadelphia 
Mississippi, Philadelphia First Church. I was weary. And back in the day when we used to have Sunday night church, you remember Sunday night church? I stood before my congregation and I wept. I was exhausted. I was exhausted from the work. I was exhausted from the stress and strain of trying to lead a church. My children were small and they were demanding. And out of nowhere, tears fell from my eyes. By the grace of God, I went to the altar and knelt and prayed. And two or three of the leaders came and laid hands on me and prayed with me. And when I rose from that altar, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was with me. And it was enough. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. to read this week's psalm. Hear these words from 147. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise Him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars and He calls them each by name. Great is our Lord, and mighty in power, his understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain, and he makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Also with you. Lift up your heart. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. But it turns away and our love fails. Your love remains steadfast. 
holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and the Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ Christ is risen. risen. Christ Christ will will come come again. again. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us gathered here and upon these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to the whole world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the table that he will prepare for us. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. And the people of God said, Amen. In the waiting... In the waiting, in the, in the time of waiting, we experience God. John Wesley called these elements a means of grace, a way that we experience the living God in our presence. So today, my friends, we come. Whether you're at home, if you've gathered um, bread and juice, or here, um, Susan has, has so graciously prepared communion for us. We receive and experience God anew through the cup, through receiving the cup, through receiving the bread. The way that we're going to do that today is is kind of the way that we've done it in the past. And I'm going to ask, starting from the back, if um, uh, Virginia, if you would come to the center, and then Shelley to the center, and then 
folks, as you come, you're going to come down the center and you'll receive the communion elements from the rail and then take them back to your seat and then we will all take communion together. But as we receive those elements, come and and take them and just go back to your seat and then we'll receive the elements together. The table of the Lord is ready. Would you come? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are gathered together in one body. Receive the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Given, broken, shared for you. As supper was over, as we were reminded... Jesus said, this is the blood of the new covenant, my blood which will be poured out for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your Spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.
Hear the good news. God is our rock and our shield. God will never leave us or forsake us, even though it seems dark, even though it seems impossible, as the bishop shared with us, even though it seems absolutely impossible, God will make a way. So go forth from this place with the assurance that God is with you. God will always be with you. God has always been with you. Go with courage and face the future that God has for you because He has a plan and it's good. May the grace and peace of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you, go with you, and give you strength for the journey. Amen.